Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Bex. And I'm Laura. And we're here to talk openly and honestly about miscarriage, stillbirth, and all pregnancy loss. We aim to smash the taboo surrounding these subjects and rebuild the topic in a way to support and educate women rather than isolate and shame them. Welcome to the worst girl gang ever. Hello and welcome to this episode of the worst girl gang ever. Today we're joined in the studio in the shed by Nicola Salmon. Hello my dear. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank thanks so for joining for us. And if you could see, we talked about sheds because Nick, I'm actually in my kitchen today and uh, Nicola looks like that she's um, taken up residence in my shed. <laughs> she assures me that she's in her shed. Shed, stroke, <laughs> office, stroke, sauna. I always think it looks like a sauna. It does. <laughs> it's fine for now, but once we start getting into like November. Oh, bloody freezing, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was pretty rubbish in the summer, wasn't it? It was, it was like a sauna. So, do you know, one, one podcast recording, I nearly passed out. It was so hot. <laughs> yeah, um, and in the summer, I just had to wear like a hat, take hot water bottles, put in my coat. Yeah, so good luck with that. Oh, well, how are you? How was your weekend? Really good, thank you. What did I do? I went swimming yesterday in a beautiful little lake. So that oh, was lush. Yeah, that just like fills me up so much. Like I love being outside and I mm. love... The feeling of like being weightless in the water is just like, ugh, mm. yeah, that just makes my week. So it's I been a good time. It's like, this is wild swimming, isn't it? We're talking mm. about. Yeah. So yeah. Is, yeah. I love, I love the idea of it. I really love the idea of it, but I get freaked out by stuff like eels. <laughs> yeah. And you go like blue within about 10 minutes. Remember when we went swimming in Brighton? It yeah, I do, get cold, I do get cold quite quickly. Yeah. But yeah. But the eels, you haven't, you haven't, I thought you were going to go, no, don't worry, there's no eels, but you didn't say that. Well, I mean, there are, there is nature, like you're in the nature's environment, but they're more afraid of you, right? Like, Have they, you ever met an eel? Not an eel. I've met okay. a couple of fish jumping out. They the met. Water. Well, met, you know. <laughs> How do you do, Mr. Eel? Making hands. Um, no, I've seen a few fish here and there and a kingfisher. That was a pleasure. Ah, um, bird, right? Yeah. Okay. Like a flash of blue. They're so fast and so small. You just see like a whoosh. Um, nice. But yeah, like the experience is just, yeah, it's wonderful. And there are so many places. Like I used to live in Surrey and we used to swim in the Thames. And you think like Thames. Yeah. I mean, I've been swimming in the Thames before. Oh, I, I mean, <laughs> pissed as a fart. 
Um, oh, after a rugby match in Twickenham. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, then we went like, clubbing. We went oh swimming in Thames in our clothes and then we went clubbing. Oh, insane. That's the life. The, um, my eel thing is because I, when I was travelling, I went to an aquarium in Australia and there was this, like, glass and there was nothing in there. So I put my face right up to it and then there was an eel suddenly in my face and it, like, really scared me. It stayed with you, isn't it? It really has. I don't yeah. like anything that doesn't have legs. It freaks me out a little bit that something can legs. move so fast. Like I'm petrified of that slug. Snakes. Oh, slugs are okay because they don't move fast. I, I mean, I, worms make me cringe, but I'm oh, not scared of them. But no, the stuff with no legs that moves fast are just. Ooh, yeah, something right. kind of weird about it, isn't there? We've got slow yeah. worms in our garden that are like oh. legless lizards, and they Ooh. just like. Do they move fast, slow worms? Because I feel yeah, like they've got that oh, like well, movement. That's just false advertising. <laughs> the um, the yeah, slow worms. <laughs> just got that. Um, my in-laws found a slow worm in their under the stairs cupboard. Oh. a couple of months back. I don't know. Where I've seen a slow worm. What do they look like? Snakes. They look yeah. like snakes. Oh, okay. They're quite small. They're quite thin. Anyway, um, I feel sick thinking about it. <laughs> if you tuned in, if you tuned in expecting to hear us talk about fertility, and <laughs> you may be surprised. This is not our nature. Maybe yeah. we should keep a nature episode. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> While we're wild, wild swimming, that would be good. There'll be a lot of squealing, I fear. Yeah. Anyway, Nicola, tell us a <laughs> bit about yourself for those that don't know you. So I am... 36 I live in the Forest of Dean which is near Wales I work as a fat positive fertility coach which means that I just work with fat people who want to get pregnant um and yeah I've been doing this work for like five years now mm-hmm. and the more I find out about this stuff the more angry and frustrated I get about the yeah. way that fat people are treated when it comes to this and I know you've had a conversation already with Ruth, my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite people, yeah. Ruth Gordon, about fat fertility. Um, but yes, it's like this is the this is the hill that I am going to die on. Like the just the inequality that fat people face when they're navigating fertility and pregnancy. I mean, in life, right? Oh, yeah, Not just every fertility. every aspect of life. And I've been a fat person for yeah for my whole life. Like I was a fat kid. And I have been on the kind of yo-yo dieting kind of roller coaster my whole life um, up until like eight years ago is when I stopped dieting. But yeah, like you're right. It's like traveling. It's finding health insurance. It's clothes, clothes, doctor's appointments. Yeah, Mm. there's so many ways that being fat impacts your life in ways that people who are in smaller bodies might not think or notice or or do you think think that the problem lies with the prescribed beauty kind of social media because actually fat being being bigger is only like why is it what why is it bad Mm. it's like this whole idea of prescribed beauty like you must look that way is oh I can't really explain what I mean but but people who use um, the word, the, the term fat as a derogatory comment, mm. like, why is that derogatory? It's, it's not, right? It's only if you perceive being fat to be 
mm-hmm. being like unattractive is that it's a derogatory. So why can't we just change that narrative and make, because back in the day, like bigger people meant wealthier people, mm, which meant yeah. more attractive people, which is just nuts, isn't it? This whole prescribed kind of, you must look this way to be deemed as attractive is well within our power to change because it's yeah. just a mental thing. The media have a lot to answer for, don't they? A lot of companies make a lot of money out of it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. can you imagine if tomorrow everybody woke up and thought, right, I'm happy with my body. I don't need to change anything about myself. How many companies would go out of business? How many, like, billionaires would be like, oh, crap, like, this is me gone? Because there's, like, Victoria's Secret, that song that came out recently. That was fab, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, there was a song. Who sang it? Jacks is the name. Jacks, yeah. Can you see it for me? Um, um, how does it go? How does it go? I know Victoria's Secret, girl. You wouldn't believe it. No, it was it was um, something. A man in Ohio. Yeah, making, making money, money off a girl like, like me. me. Yeah. Ah, oh. what was? That? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really face. good song. Basically, <laughs> it's saying that. I know Victoria's Secret and it's it's an old man living in Ohio who's making money uh, for girls like me. It basically, yeah, like the thin ideal is bullshit, basically. And it's made up by a man. <laughs> yes, because this is just men trying to control women's bodies, right? Absolutely. Yeah. How, so how do you, like, people come to you for help. How, mm. People identify as being fat, like... Mm. I don't. So this is people, the people that you work with say, right, I'm fat. And actually, I, or, I, or they're I told that they're fat. They're told that they're too mm. fat by, so by consultants and people that they, they're going to for help. They're told that they're too fat to have IVF. Yeah. So there's a BMI limit in the UK of 30 if you want to access IVF on the NHS. Why are they still doing things by BMI when it's absolute crocker shit? I mean, I think it's a big fat lie. And there was this brilliant article in The Sun once. Um, (laughs) Are you sure those words go together? (laughs) I I was in The Sun on page 39. Oh, okay. Then that's different. Back in 2009. And it was all about how BMI is a big fat lie. And they put fat across my body. <laughs> I'll send it to you, Nicola. You'll love it. Do. I mean, like, I, I completely embrace the word fat. Like you said, it's a completely neutral word. Not everybody I work with identifies with that word because mm. it has been used to bully and shame people for a really long time. But, you I know. I think that's what I meant when I was saying earlier, like, fat is only a derogatory term if you've made it one in your head. Mm. Or if somebody's told you that, or if somebody's used that word to make in a you negative feel, way. Yeah, mm. less than. Nicola, I'm intrigued to find out how you became, how you started doing this work. So tell us a bit about your fertility Mm. journey. So I was, yeah, of course. So I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS when I was 16. Um, And the doctor said I would never be able to have kids. How did you get that diagnosis? Because that's can be quite tricky yeah, especially was, at, at that young age like Bex I know you struggled with being taken seriously when you were in your teens yeah 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 I mean I was I guess I was lucky to find the, the doctor that knew it because like this was what 20 years ago now and mm. the understanding of it was very even smaller than it is now and we didn't have the internet like if you can even imagine that mm-hmm. um so you couldn't like research you couldn't find other people who were like having something similar and it was just 
you know, they did an ultrasound scan and found the classic like pearl necklace ovary picture. Um, and I had increased testosterone and I think I'd only had like one period mm. for, at 16 and I'd started menstruating at 13, like one or two periods in that time. But I was dismissed by my family doctor for a really long time, like all that time. And it was only when I went to see a different doctor at my clinic that they were like, okay, this is my thoughts going on. Did you have your, your parents like yeah. battling for you? Okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah, it was my mum who was pushing it. That's exactly the same as me because I went to the, my RGP when I was 15 because I didn't get periods. I had like what I started mm. periods when I was 11 and then nothing and completely written off by my GP by saying, well, do you want a child now? Mm. And I was like, well, n- no. And they were like, well, go back when you find someone that you love and you get married and me, 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 then try for a year and come back. And in the end, my parents insured me privately just so I'd be taken seriously. And then yes. I had the same thing. I had an opera, like a laparoscopy when I was 17, 18. Mm. And they, but I, I had the, like, they thought it was polycystic ovary syndrome, but I only had irregular periods. I didn't have any of the other symptoms. So they were a bit like, mm. I mean, there's, so, there's other things that look similar to it. And especially for fat people, the people that I work with, often people will look at your body and go, oh yeah, you've got PCOS because there's a classic kind of idea that fat people get PCOS and that it's like they're like fat equals PCOS. But actually there's loads of other stuff that can cause that. Mm. Like, um, you know, thyroid stuff can impact your weight and also your kind of um, fertility period, period yeah. stuff. But, you know, like you were saying about the doctor saying that, like, your periods are so much more than just when you want to get pregnant. Like it is a vital sign of what is going on in your body and your health. Mm. And how dare they dismiss you like that because something's obviously going on. And yeah, it's like, just, it's just patronizing, isn't it? It's so, it's so deep. It, obviously it was a man as well, but it's so, what was it a man? I can't remember. But anyway, it's so yeah. demeaning that you just end up just feeling shit about yourself and feeling like when you get that from a young age and a really vulnerable age as well of like 15 yeah. 16, you end up believing that you're yourself that actually your your stuff doesn't matter and it's not important and don't worry mm. about it now and keep quiet and leave the appointments for the people that really need them you know that's how I left thinking is that I'd taken up someone else's valuable time when actually there was nothing wrong with me you know I was still able to run and jump and I wasn't you know I wasn't suffering in pain or anything and just it's just mental it's absolutely mental I wonder if that's better you know we keep saying about how like um miscarriage and baby loss is becoming more widely spoken about more understood slowly we're getting there I wonder if teenagers these days are being taken a little bit more seriously than you guys were I hope so yeah I mean I think because we have the internet because we have social media I think people have more resources to be able to like think, okay, I can advocate for myself or I can ask these questions or they'll, you know, I think there's a whole group of young people who are beginning to question things like BMI and, you know, know that they have, you know, innate worth and rights to be able to be taken seriously. Um, Whereas, you know, when I was a little kid, I was just told, you know, do be a good girl, do what you're told, you know, and, and that's just what you did. You were quiet. You did as you were told with the, people who are in charge or the people yeah and you can find other people that are going through the same things as you can't you with the internet being what it is now because when I was young I was so embarrassed because you know all my friends were like talking about their monthly monthly oh it's my time of the month and stuff and I was like fuck I don't I don't have a time I don't have a time of the month I don't know but I was still so embarrassed because I knew I was different but I didn't know why 
And that's the shame of it, isn't it? That you end up feeling, spending so, I spent so long feeling different and feeling worried without telling anyone. And I would love to be able to take that away from from girls in the future because it's already such a difficult time without that added stuff of just feeling like you're not quite right. Mm. And yeah, like if you never share it, you'll never find people who are, also you know you could have had a friend who was also going through something similar but yeah people just kind of gotta go oh yeah that's exactly what I'm doing too and you know it's mm. you know I get mine every 28 days too yeah yeah sure. <laughs> on the dot sure thing. <laughs> just a teaspoonful of blood yeah yeah me too periods <laughs> <laughs> vary so much right yeah. like but we, we do. don't understand that like you know it's not just 28 days like this is something that a lot of people only start to begin to understand when they want to get pregnant, right? Yeah. Like what their mm. menstrual yeah. cycle Or even like. when they when they aren't getting pregnant. Mm. So some people have babies and don't even know any of this stuff or have to come to Yeah, don't know that you have like a five-day fertile window. Yeah. yeah. Think no, oh, really? I've got six kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, because we're told, aren't we, when we go through that kind of education, like, oh, you could get pregnant at the drop of a hat don't like share toilet seats with boys and things like that yeah. because don't share a bath don't share a bath with a boy I don't know if I've told you this before my friends shared a towel <laughs> with, with her boyfriend and um I mean the hysteria about whether she was going to come on that month was just crazy oh my gosh but we need better education don't we, we? do so you got do- diagnosed with polycystic oh. ovaries and what what yeah. What did they say to you from there? Just, yeah, off you come pregnant. back. Yeah, you won't be able to have babies. And so for me, that kind of meant that I almost like based my worth on that fact that I was mm. never going to be able to become a mother. Um, and from that really young age, like that impacted the relationships I started because I was, I thought I was lovable. I thought that nobody would want to be with me. You know, I had really low self-esteem obviously dieted a lot um, in terms of trying to make my body smaller, trying to cure my PCOS, because that's what I thought, you know, they said, go away and lose weight and go on the oral contraceptive pill. Like that was the treatment, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. Um, So it was, yeah, it really took a number on my mental health and my self-esteem and who I kind of became as a person. Yeah. Um, But I met my husband, you know, that was lovely and fine. And we got married and we decided that, you know, we did want to start trying to have kids. And I thought it was going to be really hard. So I was kind of gearing myself up for that. And again, I was going to be going on another diet because I thought I needed to be in like the best place, you know, health wise. And of course, in my mind, then health meant thin. Um, But then I got pregnant and I had two pregnancies, both completely uneventful, two completely normal births. And that was like, the shock to me like I spent my whole first pregnancy completely anxious because I was told time and time again that I was going to have all these risks that all these things were going to happen you know I thought I was going to have a pregnancy loss first because we're told that that's what happens to folks in bigger bodies then I thought I was going to get gestational diabetes because we're told that's what happens and then I thought you know all these things were going to go wrong and nothing happened um and then at one point I was like you know what I really want a water birth this is what I want and they were t- I was told no too dangerous too risky And then I went and looked at the research and I was like, actually, hang on a minute. This is based on nothing. Like the research shows that actually this is fine for folks in bigger bodies. Mm -hmm. It's great for folks in bigger bodies. And that was the very first time I stood up to any health professional and said, hang on a minute. I don't want to do what you're telling me to do. Yeah, they're doing it that way because that's the way they've always done it. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they're it's so afraid of changing that. It's just, I, I find this this like there's so much of what you've said. Like we, I, I'm I don't have a bigger body, but I so identify with so much of what you said because when I when I first went to that doc, I plucked up the courage to go to that doctor's appointment, my family doctor, my GP, and I said to them, she said, I said, you know, I I I don't have these periods, and she said it was a woman, and she said, do she said, well, why are you here though? Why are you here? And I say, I'm really worried that I'm not going to be able to have a baby. And then she said, Do you want a baby now? Blah blah blah. And then she said, Look, when you ovulate, you know, you're not ovulating because you're not having periods. So if you're not ovulating, you can't have a baby. You have to ovulate to have a baby, which obviously you kind of know because you've been through sex education and stuff, but you don't really know. But when you're told that by a doctor, you assume that. And it really affected me in a men- like mentally. And I carried that into every beginning of every relationship I had from that age, from like 15, 16. I remember thinking, if this is the person that I end up with, I'm going to have to tell them that I might not be able to have children. And how is that going to affect? And like what, what you're saying as well is so similar. Like you took that and it was heavy. And we carried that from way too young. And for both of us, it didn't even come true. Like I have children, you have children. I thought it was going to be really hard and it didn't end up being that hard. You were the same. And I just think how different would our adolescence have been mm. had we not had that mental overload of just, fuck, what if yeah. this dream of mine is really, really challenging to have? And how many other people are going through this sort of stuff and it's affecting them in a in a worse way or it's affecting them in a different way and stuff? I just think it's mad that people write you off so quickly at such a young age when you're so vulnerable is it's is awful yeah yeah and it shows the power of words right like yeah. I'm sure that doctor doesn't think a thought about the words that they said like oh you can't have children or it'll be difficult but those words really stick with you mm-hmm. um, and you kind of play them over and over again and you put so much weight into those words and that thought you know like you know, doctors really need to understand that the words that they use have a lot of weight to them. And, you know, this happens for so many different scenarios with fertility and pregnancy. Like so many people that I work with tell me the things, you know, they can remember crystal clear the things that the doctors say about their body and about, you know, the increased risk of this and it's going to happen, you know, and they carry that. And Mm. when we work together, we can help, you know, unload some of that weight and some of that heaviness because it causes stress, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're thinking those thoughts every day, you are going to be so stressed out to the eyeballs because of all this stuff that you're worried about. And when we can look at like some of the evidence, some of the research, some of the examples in the world of people who don't have these problems and don't experience these, and it can kind of release some of that weight and some of that shame that people carry around through like their whole lives Mm. do you know what's interesting is that you you mentioned about the IVF cutoff being Mm. 30 here it's not like that in Europe is it no not Um, at all so why why are we still behind with the times money right (laughs) because in our culture it's still socially acceptable to um, discriminate against fat people so because there's a limited pot, there's limited funds, then they think it's acceptable to deny it to this group of population of people. And that's really what it comes down to. Because it's an easy, it's an easy cutoff point to put in. Yeah, people rather will than, accept it. Right. 
which because is because these aren't yeah that it's not it's not judged it's not not every case is taken it's not judged case by case is it it's just no blanket cut off mm. which is and it's it even impacts the private clinics though like most private clinics will only accept up to 35 bmi like as soon as you go over 40 bmi there really is no help in the UK, which is diabolical. I mean, it's madness because people with BMIs above 30, 35, 40, they still they get pregnant and have babies naturally. So All why should an infertile person who's <clears throat> fat be denied it? It's just, yeah. it's shocking. It's just like, you know, it's against someone's reproductive rights, their human rights to be denied on that care. And it's just, yeah. And then even if you look into things like adoption, like BMI impacts that too. Like folks mm. are denied support navigating adoption because of their BMI, which is just, you know, every which way people That's go. crazy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there are kids in need. Yeah. There are kids <laughs> in need, but if you're over the BMI limit, you can't access that. Yeah. And it shows that it's not just about health. You know, they talk about it being, it's about your health, it's about your health, and even that is problematic. Like, it's, you know, like, if, if we're looking at adoption, it shows that this is just bias 100% bias mm. because these are you know these are not your kids you're not going to genetically pass anything to them you're not going through pregnancy for them this but is really yeah is that is the reason for that is that you may have health problems you may be more likely to have health problems in the future if you have a higher BMI so you might not be a, a reliably there be able to be there for your child if you're adopted is that is that the reason that's the only thing I can think of that they might yeah, I mean, that's the underlying argument that they make. But yet they still allowed older people to, you know, to adopt. Like mm-hmm. it's they still allow folks who are disabled to adopt, which they absolutely should. I'm not saying that they shouldn't. But like it, there's no other health it conditions where this doesn't make sense. Yeah. And there are people with health conditions who just go and have a baby naturally. Mm-hmm. So that's what they should. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, yeah, it? well, yeah, exactly. They should. But it's it just seems well so discriminatory mm-hmm. so how do you like when you said that you so you went away after being told that you were too big to qualify for whatever or, or you to have children naturally and stuff and you went away and you dieted were you successful in that did you lose weight short term and what diets ha- only ever work short term mm. and what happened then and then I regained all the weight because the thing is with diets is that they you know you you follow a plan you follow a whatever the latest craze is you do it for a certain amount of time but it's never sustainable and then what happens is that you go back to a normal eating pattern or then you go on on binge because restriction you know you're telling your body that it's restricting you're restricting what you're eating then leads to binging like that's a really really well documented well-researched fact that folks who restrict often will then go on to binge and there's no diet that's been shown to work in the long term none none of them have any research to support them beyond like two to five years because then they stop researching them because people regain weight <laughs> bigger, bigger body people in bigger bodies are that way just because of genetics they're just it's just a predisposed yeah some of it's genetics some of it's because of previous dieting some of it's medication mental you know, health men- yeah there like are there, over, was- there are over 100 things that impact the health of your I mean the weight of your body at every given time hmm. um we chatted to Emma from your IVF abroad oh I on love one Emma. of our podcasts yeah she was great and um that was her reason for 
mm. doing IVF abroad. So I just wanted to mention that in case anyone is is struggling to find IVF and wanted to look into that, go and go and look her up because um she's uh she's a good person to know. Yeah. The case. There's um, lots of clinics in Europe that will help. And yeah. um yeah, it can often be cheaper than the UK as well, even the price. And you get a holiday. Well, exactly. Yeah. Bit of sunshine. You get a bit of sunshine, a bit of pool time, you know. Yeah. As long as you can get the time off, I feel like it's a, a really, really good alternative. And so how is work going for you, Nicola? Yeah, really good. Yeah. So um the way that I try and work is to try and make the stuff that I research, the stuff that I do in my work really accessible. So I have folks that I work with one-to-one, but then I also have a book that I've written. I also have workshops that people can attend. You know, like I want this information to be accessible to everybody because everybody should have access to be able to go and advocate for themselves and get yeah. any kind of health, health, help and support that they need. So and yeah. What's the name of your book? It's called Fat and Fertile. And where can people find you? It's on Amazon because I've self-published. So, um, yeah, it's the easiest thing to do is just to be available on Amazon. But, yeah. yeah. Congratulations your... on your book, by the oh, way. Are you kind of still you. buzzing from the launch and from no. all the things? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. The buzz is over. The buzz is over. But we're hoping there'll be a new buzz. Baby Loss Awareness Week is coming up. and. Oh, well, yeah, we'll be doing yeah. some more promo for that, won't we? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Fingers crossed. Um, we, I was going to, because t- we talked to Ruth, mm. and she was saying that she um, she went through all this, like, real vigorous diet to get down to what they perceived to be a healthy weight, mm. and she felt absolutely miserable during this time. And there must be an argument for even these professionals that say you have to be at this weight or you have to be at this BMI level. There must be an argument for for bigger people who get down there, but then are affected by other things because they are not happy there. They are affected by stress or by their nutrients music. being depleted. Yeah, well. that's one nutritional of the deficiency. That, absolutely. Yeah. How, is there is there sort of tests being done in that respect of how? how okay you might be you might have a higher bmi but this this and this is all right whereas if you lose weight and then have this bmi so surely that needs to be done yeah but who's going to pay for it like research only ever happens and there are people who are going to profit from it and people who are going to pay for it and that's the real problem with our with science because it's only as good as the people who are doing it and so much of our you know our culture our community within the west is like steeped in this diet soup right where everybody believes that fat is bad that thin is healthy and when you're looking at your research through that lens it's really hard to not to not kind of keep that you know that fat is bad underpinning everything that you research so how is so how is fat healthy how talk to me about healthy fat because there must be people listening that think well I am bigger but I'm bigger because I eat really badly or whatever but talk talk to me about how that's kind of um how that's misunderstood like fat is unhealthy yeah okay so bodies exist on a spectrum just like everything else in our world like there are thin bodies there are fat bodies but because we live in a culture that has kind of glorified thinness for you know a hundred years hundreds of years 
we as a species have done like tried to manipulate our bodies right into being thin because that's what we're sold is going to be our happiest and our healthiest is if we're going to be this thin ideal Mm. um so people have been manipulating their bodies for so long like and going on a diet that impacts your metabolism that impacts your health but if we look at cultures that aren't impacted in the same way we can still see that same body diversity and people have the same health markers people there's no higher incidence of like cardiovascular illness for you know those folks who have got bigger bodies like that body diversity exists and the main reason that we have this concept of thin is good is based on a lot of kind of racist things and colonialism and classism that happened in our history because for black folks like they often have and tend to have more bigger bodies like that is a really natural way that their bodies are different from ours so when we had like folks who were enslaved and we decided that white folks were like dominant and were going to be the you know the people in power it's they demonized black folks by saying well you know fat is bad and bigger bodies are bad bodies and that thin or you know aka white bodies are good bodies um there's loads of really more interesting books about this there's one called fearing the black body by sabrina strings and she goes into a lot of detail about how this comes about but realistically it didn't come from the doctor saying oh we found out all these things about fat bodies and they're unhealthy it came from this idea that white thin bodies were better than the the, the bigger fat fatter black bodies and yeah like hundreds of years over time this is just you know generated and it happens mainly to women because the men are historically in power and it's a way of oppressing women because we spend all our time all our energy all our money all our thoughts on making our bodies prettier smaller yeah it doesn't matter for men that much does it because they can have a beer belly they can have a dad bod you know all of these things that are quite endearing and and Mm. no one really gives a shit about (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it is worth saying though that obesity is still a problem, right? There is obesity yes. is a, a thing, and it's a thing that's that's put that does affect people in a negative way, like, and it is increasing. Yeah, so folks are tending to get bigger. That's that's you know been seen, but again, we know that dieting is becoming more and more pervasive and we know that folks who diet do tend to put weight on often more um the research around kind of quote unquote obesity so obesity itself as a word has it kind of stigmatizes and kind of makes being fat an illness like the way that we talk about obesity Mm. means that you know fat people must be ill Um, so it's quite a problematic word in itself but what happens in the lot of research around fat people and health is that we never take into account the way that fat people are treated and the environment that they're in. So what happens is we never take into account the way that fat people are treated by the healthcare system. And what the, the way that they are treated is by being judged and shamed about their bodies. They get shorter appointment times with their healthcare professionals. They're told to lose weight if they have a healthcare concern rather than 
for someone in a thinner body who gets tests immediately, who gets treatment options, they're told go away and lose weight. So then their treatment is delayed if they've got some kind of underlying health condition. That judgment and shame that they're either experiencing from their doctor or from themselves because they're told that they are terrible, bad people for being this way, you know, puts a lot of stress on your body, which impacts your immune system, which impacts your stress levels. So there are many, many ways that fat people, that like their health is being impacted by being fat that Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with the fat cells on their body. Like the environment that they live in when they're trying to access healthcare, when they're trying to access sport, has a massively negative impact on their health outcomes, not because of the shape of their body, but because of the way that they're treated by the healthcare system. Because of the shape of their body. Yeah, 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 it does. It's like a social condition type yeah mental mental leading to physical like unwellness I suppose isn't it yeah so I mean COVID is a really useful example because we know that so many people weren't able to access healthcare during like two years of time like things were put off people weren't able to access health and appointments and treatments and stuff and we know that that is going to have a negative impact on their health right like we are going to see higher incidences of more serious conditions because people weren't able to get that treatment in as quick a time as they might have been able to otherwise and it's exactly the same for fat people they aren't able to get the healthcare as quickly as their thinner counterparts they aren't you know their treatment isn't recognized and they live under this umbrella of what is called weight stigma which is Mm -hmm. the stigma that they face being in bigger bodies from external sources like doctors and also the stories that they tell themselves that are kind of come from media doctors news articles and everything else Mm, and so what would you say if there's someone listening who is who is in a bigger body and has lost a baby and is Mm. blaming themselves because perhaps they've been told that they should have gone and lost weight or they should go and lose weight and then they've fallen pregnant and lost the baby what would you say to them now so the first thing that I would say is it's absolutely not your fault like there is no there is the research around it is so mixed it's not black and white that being in a bigger body causes an increased risk of miscarriage or pregnancy loss Mm -hmm. doctors like to believe that this is a fact that we know that this is true but when you look at the research only about a third of it shows any link between higher weight folks and an increased risk of miscarriage the rest of it either shows no link at all or it shows that there is a link, but it's not kind of consequential, like we can't prove it. And there is no biological mechanism that they have found that shows being in a bigger body causes miscarriage. They haven't found any reason why having extra fat in your body can lead to pregnancy loss. Um, And it's just abhorrent that doctors are going around telling people that this could be of any way have been changed or shifted because it's just not true I only had it said to me once I've always been a fairly big girl um I think I went straight from a age 14 to a size 14 and I've never really dipped below there but yo-yoed in my time Mm. and we had we had we'd had five miscarriages and then I went then I lost weight because we were getting married went on a crash diet, lost three stone and had, sorry, had three miscarriages, lost the weight, got married, then had another two, got referred to another specialist. And she did all of these tests. And then she said, 
no, nothing's come back, Laura. It's got to be your BMI. And my BMI at the time was like 29.9. It was the slimmest I'd ever been. <laughs> and that didn't last long because, like you say, you, you just put the weight back on again afterwards. Mm. But, um, yeah, I remember thinking, really? It's my weight that's caused this, even though I'm the smallest I've ever been. And other people bigger than me get pregnant and have babies all the time. And what's the, what, what was she basing that on? Mm. So that, I mean, like nothing. Is, yeah. There's a small section of research, but that never takes into account what we talked about of this weight stigma of this, you know, stress that fat people are under because of what we've been told about our bodies and the inadequate healthcare that we often receive. And we know that that impacts our health and our well-being. Um, so yeah, it's it's frustrating that so many people are told that because it just impact you know it just mm. creates more of that shame and that fear and that judgment and you know not wanting to go and see a doctor because they'll just tell me that I need to lose weight and they'll just shame me for my body like it just never ends that cycle of of you know not being able to access good healthcare and that that's exactly what we were talking to Ruth about because she said that she never even got on the, through the door because of her mm. size because they and and it was like so she might have all these all these problems that are easily treated but because she's fat she can't access any of that yeah and and so she might be able to get pregnant like that if <clears throat> one thing changed they might be able to tell her that this is your problem and it might be the same problem as someone who is nine stone. There might be the same problem that is easily fixable, but because of her size, they won't even look for that problem because she is the size that she is. And that is unforgivable, isn't mm. it? When you think yeah, that whole stuff, everything is ignored because of the way you look. Mm-hmm. Isn't it wild? And like, a really good example of that is vitamin D deficiency. Now, there's been some research coming out recently that shows there might be a link between that and pregnancy loss. But for folks who've dieted for their for a long period of time, then they're more likely to be vitamin deficient than vitamin D deficient. For folks who are fat and have been told to be ashamed of their bodies, they're much more likely to cover up their bodies. So they're less likely to get you know exposure to the sun and, and get vitamin D that way. Like there's so many ways that like, being mm. in a bigger body might then lead to a vitamin D deficiency. And if they're not being tested for such a basic, simple thing that could be contributing to that, then, you know, medicine is doing them a real disservice. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah. So what do we do? How do we change things? Well, I think education okay. and information is a really good starting point. So folks can you know get rid of some of that shame that they might feel and start to believe that you know their bodies are capable of this Mm. but at the root of it the medical system needs to change and the way that we talk about fat people the way that we support fat people with their health those systems need to change and the way that we yeah the just it's a big thing like changing systems and changing cultures and changing massive isn't it it's massive um but under you know that is what is at fault that is the thing that needs to change right now because fat people don't need to change it's not their fault that these systems are here Mm. they shouldn't have to do any of this work but it's the situation that we're in right now and to change the system is going to need a lot of people making a lot of noise around it so you know the nice guidelines need to be changed the ccgs need to change their position on bmi 
we need to be able to offer treatment options and support for folks in bigger bodies rather than just turning them away and saying go and do another diet that is likely to have a negative impact on your health yeah um but yeah in the meantime I think education knowledge you know and just letting people know that it's okay that they want to get pregnant in a bigger body and it doesn't mean it's all these things are going to happen and if these things do happen it's not their fault yeah just really quickly something just occurred to me do you think that any of these IVF clinics turn away people with um with the BMI above 30 do you think they turn them away because they don't want their success rate they were worried that their success rate might be affected by and they want their success rate to be obviously good to attract more clients like more is it a bis, do you think any of it is a business decision so it, yeah definitely and it's a but it's a perceived business decision right because yeah. folks who go through IVF if they are treated appropriately if they're given personalized treatment then they absolutely have the same outcomes as anybody else in a smaller body. Like this idea that IVF is less effective for fat folks, when you start to look at how we treat people, if you treat them appropriately and give them the right medication, they have exactly the same outcomes. Yeah. So really, this is a, a business opportunity for clinics because there are so many people who want and need this support mm. but aren't able to access it, who would pay lots of money to be able to get support and get um, access to IVF. But the, again, what they use as a kind of reason why they don't is the anesthesiologists. So they say that it's yeah. dangerous for folks who are in bigger bodies to have an anesthetic. But in the same breath, they will say, well, why don't you go and have a gastric bypass? Well, you also yeah. need to go under the same anesthetic. Yeah. So, yeah, it's wild. It's a wild, wild ride. Mm. Thanks for all the work that you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And you're like, you can see, like you, you really light up when you're talking about this and you, mm. you can totally see how passionate you are about it. So I urge you, if you are someone in a bigger body that is maybe feels like you're on the back foot when you're starting IVF and you, maybe you, you're sat there listening, thinking already you feel like you're setting up for a fail. Like listen to what Nicholas has said, because this, this is not this is not a fail like you are in exactly the same position as anyone else who's starting up IVF so don't feel like you're on a back foot and do explore your options and do get in contact with Nicola and and start advocating for yourself because your the size of your body has no influence on your right to become a parent at all yeah yeah Woo! (laughs) <laughs> I knew we'd get a passionate rant in there somewhere because there's nothing worse than feeling I just think it must be such a massive thing to start off your journey feeling like shit about yourself yeah because that's going to have a negative impact on on your on on, on the journey that you have in front of you hasn't it it's going to become more daunting and seem further away yeah and it shouldn't it needs yeah and some people don't even start because they think it's not for them because of their bodies. Yeah. Like they don't even think that they are eligible or worthy of becoming parents. And that just makes me so sad. Yeah. 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 Ugh. Well, thank you so much for joining oh, us pleasure. today. Thanks for chatting to us. Um, we'll pop all your details in the show notes so people can find you and find your book. Um, yeah. Thank Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.